Welcome to a Joe Brothers Audacious Audio podcast. Today I'm here with Chris Dancy. Chris Dancy is touted as the world's most connected person on earth, and the world is watching these connections carefully. Welcome, Chris. Hi. Hi. You and I first met back in 2014 when I was at Air New Zealand and we brought you over for a social media breakfast and events with the leadership team and the executive. And at that time you were talking about existence as a platform and big mother. Can you first explain these concepts and where you think we are now in the digital evolution? Sure. So it was good to uh, visit then. And uh, I was just speaking to someone the other day about my love for New Zealand and uh, one of the things that really moved, motivated me and moved me about New Zealand was a location you have, and I'm sorry if I'm going to mess up the name, called Hot Water Beach. Right. In the way that Hot Water Beach was the Earth's way of synchronizing people instead of people synchronizing Earth because everyone waits for the tide, etc. And I was just so moved by that. The whole country was remarkable. But in 2014, one of the trends I saw happening with technology that I dubbed existence as a platform was there was this this feeling that the more we used our phones, we'd probably end up looking like robots. And, you know, if Mm -hmm. everyone had Google Glass, everyone would see everything augmented. And it was like all this very dystopian thing. But what I noticed really happening was people starting to become very reflective of the technology they used, almost as if the technology was programming them in how they thought, the information they got, how they behaved. And existence as a platform was this concept that We would live in a world very soon where reality itself would be programmable. Mm. And I think if you look at where we've come, at least in a lot of the news cycles and a lot of the talk around technology, around climate, we do live in different realities, for, for lack of a better term. But if you go just a little bit below that, it's not realities. We live in different systems and Mm. uh, we don't need chips or implants we don't need robots taking over the world we're, we're doing a fine job distracting ourselves as it is yeah that's re- that's really interesting observation you're right and in terms about um you talk about sort of systems and things um you and i were talking before um the show and you're mentioning that at your home you have seasonal mm. conditioning for environments mm-hmm. in your home can you tell us a bit about that mm. Yeah, so I'm very sensitive to climate change as I get older. I'm, a, I'm over 50 now. I'm 52. When I met you, I was a lot younger. It's, it goes faster as you get older. And um, I'm, I'm very sensitive to just UV light, heavy humidity, lots of things make me very uncomfortable, noise, etc. But one of the things that restores that is sense of seasons kind of longer periods of time so i've always had a house that was very heavily influenced by technology and back in 2014 when i met you my lights would dim if i spoke too loud or didn't sleep well the house would cool all those sorts of things Mm. you know a lot of what a lot of people to be honest with you a lot of people do what i did back then today like oh look how cool this is you know wi-fi lights but what we did starting two years ago was we started making purposeful decisions at a seasonal basis. So uh, before the spring and fall equinoxes and before the summer and winter solstices, we would set complete lighting routines, complete temperature routines, complete humidity routines. All of our air diffusers are Wi-Fi, so we have different scents that uh, correspond to each season. Um, We would then program different 
daytime music and nighttime music for the seasons. So now slowly, because we're about to enter spring here in North America, over the last week, our house has slowly been changing every day. So now we're getting a little bit of wind in the morning instead of the, the rain that we normally got. Uh, well, it's kind of like a w- blizzard, kind of wintry sound. It sounds like rain, everyone says. Okay. And the lights are starting to, the lights are staying on longer during the day. So when I say we have like environmentally conditioned the house, I'm trying to recreate the seasons in, in a way. Uh, all the TVs have screensavers on them. We change all of our wallpapers, all of our hand soaps. If you don't have a lot of technology, all of our hand soaps get changed. All the candles get changed. Does this make sense? Absolutely. So it's a, it's a sense of ritual almost to let the send signals to the body that you are there is some change happening rather than having this sort of constant environment that most of us are living in. Exactly, a perfectly constant uh, environment. And again, I've I love the perfect per, the perfection of the environment, like the perfect temperature and all these other things. Yes. But I found there's something really remarkable about being in touch with the seasons. So much so that we have the same um, Wi-Fi lighting on the outside of our house. And for the past two years, we've uh, synced the outside lighting to the moon cycle. So the quarter moon, the last quarter moon, the full moon, and the noon moon, our entire outside of our house lights up a different color. And over the last year, our neighbors have started noticing this and sending us notes saying, thank you, we're teaching our kids about moon cycles now because of your house. So it's fun. That's amazing. I love that. With, yeah. with the sense, the sense of the season, um, would that be, for example, what would you have for winter? Would that be like truff smell of <laughs> smell of what? We are we are very traditional. So um, the scent that we use uh, in our candles and our hand soaps and our um, uh, diffusers. Uh, so those are the three scent items. Mm. Is uh, pine. So yeah. you know, traditional, like almost like Christmas tree smelling uh, from December twenty first until March twentieth. I love it. That's great. Mm-hmm. And then for spring, we do uh, kind of a flowery with a citrus hint. Mm-hmm. And then for summer, we do Palo Santo, uh, mm-hmm. which is a kind of a wood. It's a wood smell. Yeah. And then for fall, we, we go a combination of pumpkin, spice, and cinnamon. Mm. It's, it's, it's lovely. I mean, and the hand soaps, you know, we've done this. The one thing we're thinking about introducing this coming year, because we usually don't change any of the big systems until summer, mm. is actually shampoos. Oh, wow. So. Yeah. Yep, and then I've I've always worn seasonal cologne, so I pull out certain colognes every season, like every four months, every three months I pull them out. I, I to slow down our sense of time yeah. using technology or low tech soaps or music or anything. It's one of the most profound things we can do for each other. You will only ever be given time, and how you spend it is so important because you can't save it. Yes, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, and. My next question goes to before the pandemic world, you were on a plane mm. every week touring all around the world and giving <laughs> lectures. You know, how, mm. has, how has the COVID world changed your career and life? Oh, my goodness. It's been, it's been re- remarkable in so many scary and positive levels. <laughs> so at four months in the pandemic, that was the first time in 20 years I'd been home for four months. Wow. So now at... Uh, one year and two months this is the first time in 25 years i've been anywhere for one year and two months so i keep track i've always kept track of my life this way so that's that's profound you know i think if i would just like give people or talk about the things that people would be interested in you know someone who made 350 400 a year i'm very fortunate as a writer and a speaker and a mm-hmm. consultant um going from that to thirty thousand dollars a year was hard 
Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, the, the financial hit is hard. But I was, I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm careful about my money and I'm careful about a lot of things. So, I mean, we, we've managed and the government is very supportive of small businesses mm. from, from a, from a health standpoint, you know, I probably put on the, the COVID five or the COVID 10 or whatever they're calling it. Yeah. Um, yeah. but if I were to give a summary of the last 12 months, I've never had so little, but been so full. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should we should really focus on the fragility of life more often. Mm. It's definitely done a big reset, and and we've seen lots of um, things with nature sort of, uh, well, positively coming back, and you know, orcas swimming in the sort of inner harbour in Wellington, where normally there'd be mm. um, you know passenger ferry boats or. Things like that. They when we were all in lockdown, they they took back their ocean and their own playground. It was lovely. Um, yeah, one of my favorite sayings uh, I've ever heard was, uh, "The Earth is sometimes referred to as Gaia." Um, yes. But one of my favorite sayings I ever heard was, "Gaia is a tough bitch." <laughs> uh, and I used to really struggle with climate change, not you know so much because of like me, but just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What all this kind of stuff? But like once I kind of surrendered myself to the, the bigger connections of all of things. And I'm very technical. I mean, you know, this. Yes. like I'm super, I'm super cyborg, right. But I'm super connected even to the earth. Absolutely. It's just like, you know, what? I'm okay. I'm, it's, it's going to be fine. Like the things I was really worried about were like the plants and the animals and all the, like we might not make it, but earth is going to be fine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's, yes. <laughs> My next question, you must have, have covered um, just now, which is what observations have you seen in the past two years that are reshaping the world? Well, I think the biggest one is polarity. Um, you know, people are reaching out to different opinion camps and belief systems, which is, you know, po- you know, really impacting those or people around us. Mm. That's a big one, polarity. And then after polarity, the next big shift was this value-based system, which we've seen in the last year, where people are kind of in their polls defining what they value. Mm. But I think the most interesting observation about the last two years, and you and I have had a lot of talks about technology and spirituality, is mm. there is a groundswell of what I would call spiritual machining happening. Everything from people using TikTok for, uh, you know, pagan practices to people, it's just, it's everywhere. Mm. And I think we've become so sure of our uncertainty that we're seeking more uncertainty. And people want to be enchanted by the occult. They want to be enchanted by Kabbalah or mysticism Mm. or any of you know Zoroastrianism. Mm. All of these things, philosophy, you know, philosophy is always a gateway. You know, people first they learn to meditate, then they get into stoicism, then they learn to philosophy, Mm. and then they get into some of the, you know, these these ancient arts and things. And again, you know, we're it's it's a lovely, lovely reboot that we desperately needed. Yes, and I actually had written down here spiritual technology. I saw you'd mentioned mm. that in one of your tweets, and that that was really mm. interesting to me. Uh, when and when we first met, um, all those years ago, you used to do sort of um, what the iPhone readings were. Well, you know, yeah, I still most, do them. Yeah, yeah. so you you do you want to tell us a bit about that? How you'd read what people's apps, how they're arranged, and so on. Yeah, so it's called phone iPhone, or it's just called phone palmistry, it's not iPhone palmistry. But yeah, so since 2010, I've been doing this. I started officially like 
in getting paid to do it in 2014. But yeah, so the way it works is I have a booth. We ship it all over the world, or I even do it remotely. People submit online, social mm-hmm. media all the time. They send me pictures of their screens. But I look at someone's phone screen and just unlocked because I need to see the apps on the phone screen. And yeah. then by looking at the screen, I kind of tell them about their life. Yes. So think of it like palm reading, but I, you know, to me it feels like more like tarot. And mm. again, I think if, if you were to consider your spouse or your friends and you were to ask them to see their phone and say, don't say anything, I want to just look at your phone and tell you about your life, you know, you can see are they on an iPhone, are they on Android, what type of phone case do they have, do they have a screen protector on it? I mean, you always, people with screen protectors and cases, they're always very sensitive about personal safety. Mm. You'll never see someone with a screen protector or a case who isn't overly concerned about safety. You know, they'll like stop to tie their shoe, they just won't care. And just like people who have the battery percentage turned on, you know, people with the battery percentage turned on usually have to have no alerts, right? It has to, it's fun to be quiet, very quiet, but people without their battery percentage will always have like all the badges, like 900 on red messages. So, you know, our phones are really windows into what we value. Mm. And, you know, my, my secret, I'll, I'll tell you, I've only said this to a few people is I can read people's phones without even seeing them. Right. Yeah. yeah. This ain't about this ain't about phones. No, exactly. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But it's been a great way. I mean, I've had people cry, Joe. Aww, I've had people yeah. literally start to have anxiety attacks because, uh, you know, again, so often, you know, people will have a photo on their phone or their wallpaper of someone you know, like a family member, mm-hmm. and they'll actually position their phone icons. Not again. They're not doing it on purpose. They always swear to me, I didn't do that on purpose. But they'll have the health app on their one child who's been going through cancer. Mm-hmm. Or they'll have the, the wallet app on top of their husband who just got laid off. Yeah. And, you know, and I look at these things and I'll say, you know, you know, your family's dealing with some financials issue. You're doing some health issues with your, with your son and people fall apart. Oh, you know, wow. people will always use Snapchat or um, uh, there's certain apps you look for that have like ghost images on them and they'll always put them on people or pets who've passed. And they're like, how do you know my dog just died? I'm like, well, yeah like, yeah yeah it's i don't it's hard to describe but um yeah no, we, we show a lot more than we talk about yeah you've you do you've done a really good job of describing it yeah that must good good i'm hoping you're getting because like when i tell people how because i teach people how to do it too yeah. i do workshops where i teach people to facilitate this because it's great for companies it's great for families everybody swap phones and, yeah. and read each other's phone because it gets people talking about what they care about and that's yeah. like god we need to do more of that exactly we have connection and be vulnerable and talk about things absolutely and which mm. is um leads me to my next question what practices do you follow to help you with your mental health wellness and holistically feeling good mm. um you know at Year 15 in my journey of being hyper-connected, I've really fused a lot of the things we've talked about already, mm. and they've become really important. I mean, yes, I stay physically fit, and yes, I stay mentally fit, you know, physically fit by exercising and moving. Yeah. Yes, I make sure I get enough sleep. Yes, I, I meditate and do all the kind of mental things you need to do. But I've really, really embraced this concept of I have to have a certain amount of serendipity in my day. So each day I start by waking up, and I... I just log how I'm feeling in that morning. Just like just a few thoughts in my head. Doesn't matter. Like might have been something I dreamt. Might have been something I'm thinking yeah. about that moment. Yeah. And then I take time to actually write my intention for the day, where I actually say I understand the world wants what's best for me. The world, the energy, whatever you want to call it, mm. wants what's best for me. And even in my biggest fears, where I've lost jobs or family members, my darkest days in my 52 years, it have always come out of. I've always been better. So I'm confident the world wants what's better for me. It's just assured, yes. right? So I, I say that and i think and I, I thank the world and the universe for that and i say you know today my intention would be to embrace 
whatever that thing is. And I've gotten into tarot. Uh, it's mm-hmm. One of the things I really like about tarot is just the archetypes of the card. So I'll yes. sometimes draw, not sometimes, I draw a tarot every day. Um, and then that card, again, it gives me a reason to think about some part of my life. Midday, I'll do another journal just on where I'm at in the day. And at the mm-hmm. nighttime, I do a gratitude. So I just write down what I'm grateful for each night. So mm-hmm. in a computer, by the way. Yeah. But all of these things are then tied to the moon cycle, mm-hmm. the season, the pagan Sabbath, yep. the Jewish calendar. Mm. So I just think of like your day has a bunch of time above it, like long before you existed, long after you're gone that yes. exists. Yes. But then you've got your day in it. So I do all the normal stuff that you knew I do in the past, mm. like all the Chris Dancy tracks. But then there's a whole spiritual stack that sits on top of that. And then yeah. on top of that, I've tied it to all these longer periods of time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Thank you for sharing it's that. It's beautiful. That's really good. Yeah, absolutely. I recently um, saw that a tweet that you said, and it really resonated with me. Um, and the tweet was, I measure my success by what I create, not who or how it's consumed. Think of artists, mm. musicians and writers. What would the mm. history of our world look like with the likes during the Renaissance? If you were a creative, you must create. Influence will only be seen in legacy. Mm. And mm. I, 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 from for me, what that said was, if you can imagine the great artist painted something, put it out on the side of the road and saw how many people would have given it a thumbs up for Facebook in our world, <laughs> they may never have done another piece, right? Nothing. They would have never done anything. Yeah. So They would have never done anything. Mm. You have to you have to recklessly create knowing that it will not be understood or consumed till long after you're gone to explain it. Yeah. Or at least many years after you've actually done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cases, yeah, right? yeah. 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 And so many young people today, my husband is a is a school teacher. Mm. So many young people today really, really struggle with vanity metrics. Right. So they you know the yeah. the, 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 the metrics of social they and, and, and it's not they don't even think about them as vanity metrics. They don't even use that term, like well, how many followers does he have? Should I consider him being a friend? You know, and so mm-hmm. I've done some really purposeful things with social media in the last decade, blocking people I used to be really connected to mm-hmm. or unfriending people that I was very close to because I myself will consume people like content. Yes, I know. And if you love someone, you have to force them, as uncomfortable as it is, to connect to you in a way where you guys have synchronous communications. Mm. Not asynchronous communication. People can't be paused. Hearts can't be binged. No. Right? Sadness can't be put on hold and watched later. We have to get back to living in harmony. And that means stop pausing life to consume life. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. And Chris, who are the people or ideas that have influenced you the most? I mean, I know that you're a, a very unique person, so you get a lot from yourself. But just wondering if there were any people that... Um, or ideas that influence you? Um, God, the first thing I wanted to say when you asked me that question just now was you. I I was really influenced after meeting you and your spouse and you explaining some of your journey Mm -hmm. uh, with spirituality. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of the things you guys have shared with me. I still keep them in places of very high regard in my house. But I think if I had to, like, think about my bigger, like, bigger influences, I'm, I'm very influenced by Andy Warhol. Yes. Um, Love him. I, I, there is something happening there that still isn't understood mm. uh, when I think about Warhol. Um, I'm very, very influenced by Michael Jackson. Yes. 
something most people would not understand, but Michael Jackson was a time traveler. Michael Jackson was bef- Michael Jackson was genderless before we had a term for it. Yes. Yeah. Michael Jackson was ageless before we had words for it. Michael Jackson was post-race before we had a concept of race. Mm. Um, Michael Jackson understood attention and metrics unlike anyone. It is profound stuff. But of course, I'm into all Proust and a lot of folks who've written about time. I'm very... I'm consumed with the concept of nonlinear time. So mm. it's hard. I know it sounds weird to say Andy Warhol, Michael Jackson, and Proust, but there's three. Absolutely. And... Um, you are, for me, one of the people that um, I think about a lot and have influenced me a lot as well. So it goes both ways. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I can't unsee your glasses. <laughs> I know what you mean. I can't. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I agree. You're, yeah. We've had some great. Um, one great- of my favorite stories about you, and I don't know if your listeners know anything about you, but mm. when I first got to New Zealand, I was exhausted. The flight, I'm sure everybody knows what I'm talking about. Mm. But I just started getting in touch with my body because I'd lost a lot of weight when I first met you. Yeah. And I, I went and I laid down in your office and you allowed me to lay in your office and mm. you turned off the lights and you created this safe space for me and you allowed me just to be with my body. And I'd never met anyone who didn't want me to be something in a moment. You wanted me to be me. It was very touching. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that. I, but, of course I do. Yeah, I do absolutely yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, for me, I want everyone to feel happy with who they are and actually connect to who they are and know who they are. Um, yeah, and... but encouraging me to lay down on the floor and turning off the lights, that was just beautiful. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You had you gave of yourself and was such um, a wonderful experience for everyone that you met and came in contact with when you came down and really got people thinking in a different way, which was... Um, all you all we could ask for so i wanted to help and nurture you i think um that's great how can organizations or teams or or companies if they want to work with you what's the best way of how could they reach out to you and what kinds of work are you doing now yeah that's a great question so i work with all sorts of companies i've just finished a big project last fall with nokia yeah. um i'm right in the middle of doing a big project for the u.s army here in the united states this month where i'm speaking to all the troops all over the world for the u.s army twice in one day two different time zones awesome and i'm and i'm speaking to them about resiliency so technological resiliency so using technology to heal post-traumatic stress uh mm. to, to really work with these devices not because everyone's telling people to run from your phone and like that's kind of hard in a pandemic yeah uh, right. so yeah. So, uh, you know, my website's full of stuff. com slash workshops has all the workshops I do, mm. multi-hour and the multi-day workshops. Mm-hmm. But then I'll be honest with you, I create a lot of content for a lot of companies I can't even say out loud right now. Yeah. So they'll just bring me on for their content teams. I think you might even be on content in one way or another. I think we did blogs and a bunch of things. Mm. So. I'm, I'm not a ghost writer. I'm a ghost creator. So I, I go behind the scenes and I basically do everything from script to create to deliver, but never put my name on it. Love it. Um, we will add yeah. the link to it's your... really, it, But I'll be honest with you. I'm so... There is work I know you've seen that is mine. I'll have to tell you when we're not recording. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk soon. Um, yeah. So chrisdancy.com and I'll put the link wherever we share the podcast. Um, yeah. Chris, what is your biggest hope for positive outcomes in a post-pandemic world? 
Are you there, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I was taking a moment to really think about that because you said, what's your biggest hope for a post-pandemic Yeah, I know. It was a big question, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it just, it's just not something I... But yeah, usually you don't take that long to think, but like uh, it's you and it's a good question. <laughs> I'd have to say um, radical transparency. If I had one hope, I would hope that in the next 10 years, people are forced into some radical transparency. It might be finances. It might be health. It might be governance. It might be love. We need to get a lot better at just owning ourselves. You know, people love to talk about authenticity and vulnerability, but nobody likes to volunteer. True. Mm. That's, That'd be my hope. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, I'll go first. You know, here's my tax. I mean, my tax returns have been online. My salary's online. Like what I charge people is on my website. Uh, my health is available to anyone. You know, and again, it's I don't, I don't want to tell this, but again, I just think it, we're all going to face the same inevitable ending. But the grace in which we face it is the transparency in which we led with. Mm. You know, the only difference between a death doula and, and a hospice is, is who's holding your hand. Yeah. So, you know, let's get real, people. Let's get real. Let's get real. Get real. And Yeah, let's get real. <laughs> that's, um, what, could, would you mind leaving our um, listeners with one final thought for, um, I guess, connecting with themselves? I mean, you've done a lot of work on it for years, and, and, and I have as well, but there could be people out there that are brand new, and this is a new concept. Where do you think they should start? Uh, how about a mantra? Right. So th- three sentences, very short. I'll say it twice so you can write it down. No place to go, nothing to do, no one to be. I'll do that one more time. Say this to yourself once a day or put it on your phone, set a reminder. Mm. Put a note in your car. No place to go, nothing to do, no one to be. That is great. It's it's literally will change your life. Mm. And I'll share that as well, and um, wherever we share the um, the podcast <laughs> as well, so people can grab the mantra if they didn't catch it then. Well, thank you. Yeah, no place to go, nothing to do, no one to be. It's wonderful. That's yeah. a, it's wonderful. But no, thank you, and I thank you for. Uh, wanting to chat again and good luck with the podcast and everything you've got going on in your life right now. Thank you, Chris. And I wish you and your husband the very best. And um, thank you for being on the show. Thank you, ma'am. Be well.